You know what's so funny? What's so funny, Ricky? I felt I felt as though I was pitched and sold on the show based on like <laughs> this being equated to a certain movie. But then it turned into almost a caricature of another very famous superhero movie that I'm like, how did it went from one to the other so quick? Huh. We'll we'll break I'll break it down. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll sound crazy when it happens, but we'll see. I think you uh do you start this one? You start I this don't. one. I don't, I just started the last one. Did you really? I sure did. All right, then you clap me. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Ubology Podcast. I am your full Professor Ricky. Dude, I'm pretty full, too, man. Yes. I'm Ethan. <laughs> I, I, I ate a lot today because I watched a shit ton of anime, but I also got uh, my, uh, my new iPad today. I noticed it come on the, uh, the wireless network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just kind of popped in because I, if people hadn't known, maybe in the Discord, uh, people didn't know, I did get some stuff stolen out of my car a while back. And that was no fun. That was an awful time because there was some work and personal tech involved in that theft. Mm. But uh, through various means at work, I got some cool discounts and I got a new iPad and those NFTs. I'm going to be the one to entirely revitalize single handedly the NFT industry. You know, I I believe it. I believe it. (laughs) You know what? More power to you, bud. I'm going to try. I think that ship has fucking sailed. Yeah, but I'm about to tow it right back into shore. I'm just ready to just just tow it back with my perfect mix of like 30 seconds of effort. And I guess that's what the Internet wants to buy for a million dollars. True, true, true. I, I think I find that intersection. But overall, I was playing some stuff today on that thing. I forgot how nice it is to have like a, a tablet that size. I was playing like I did admittedly pick up Genshin Impact to test it a little bit. That, right. To that, test that game it. does <laughs> slap. That, da- that game does slap after about an hour of playing with it. But everything else, like it doesn't skip any beats. And I love it. It's this little badass and like a thin sheet of metal. Just perfect. But speaking of little badasses. Okay, I was wondering where the fuck this was going. Yeah, how's that? Today we're talking about a show that came out uh, just a season ago. But <laughs> it, what, it, it, it was one of the hotter ones, I think, of that season. And it, it, I think if you watch any kind of anime YouTube or any re- reviews, it gets a very uh, apt correlation between another famous gunslinging movie of the modern time. But I think at some point it just kind of transcends that into another movie entirely once they introduce more characters and some of the philosophies but we'll get into exactly what that is in a bit but ethan you know what are we talking about today today we are talking about lycoris recoil yes in a1 pictures 2022 summer anime i thought it was spring and i was like i had this like relapse because the last season i felt like it blended together i truly think though that this one was one of the standouts Honestly, I think so too. The only reason I know it was summer is because the dub is still on like episode seven of release. Oh, interesting. So like, obviously, okay. it had to have just happened. Yeah, that see subboys out there. I feel like you just get the, the dub was unbelievably good. I, I did give it a bit of time with the I, season 
uh, sorry, season one, episode one, I guess, got uh, the dub treatment from me because uh, I wanted to check it out. And that's just something I've actually been recently doing with some of these is I give the dub a little bit of love first, a little dub love. Oh, yeah, I do. Just because I, I think it's important, right? I'm, I can't I know I'll be locked into sub forever, but you keep telling me lately you, the frequency of like this dub is fire out of your mouth has become more frequent and more upfront. So I feel like it's important for me to okay maybe maybe I should start giving these uh these dubs a little love and once I do you ain't wrong the the dub is hitting I have a feeling that they're just spending more time like on that segment of the audience like as like anime has come more into the mainstream and become more of a money maker I think in probably like English speaking territories yeah and surprisingly Spanish and Portuguese I think there's like always a dub of those which I think is wild there's weirdly always a Portuguese yeah that's the one you're right I a Spanish I think is pretty evident for the western side of the hemisphere but Portuguese I guess Brazil just pops the fuck off they just it's just the size the, well, the definitely ain't, it ain't Portugal it's not Portugal for sure there's uh, there's clearly a need for Portuguese so you know as much we I stand firmly on the sub hill but lately I've been giving the dub a little love and uh one thing I found wild and and I was like actually having a bit of a an anger attack during oh watching God. this is <laughs> Like, am I wrong or did there used to be an option on mobile and on PC where you could like playback speed change that to something higher? I guess that depends on the platform. I know Netflix definitely still does that. I don't think I've ever seen it on Crunchyroll. Okay, maybe I'm just like mint, like mixed the two in my head or something. Because I'm like, definitely is the play for that. Because I'm like, sure. yo, I'm trying to watch this on 1.5 speed, bro, and <laughs> it, it just there was no option for it. You're just trying to mainline it faster into your body. Well, just, in dub, it's like yeah. perfectly set up to do that. Yeah, I, I think yeah, in sub it is. That's always been like you know, oh, I watched it at two times speed. I'm like, I gotta get my speed dreaming game like up, up. Like, and I've done it before. I did it with JoJo. I watched JoJo times two on sub and whirlwind, just an absolute whirlwind yeah, of information. Sort of a fever dream. Of it, it was, but when is Bizarre's Adventure not Fantasia a fever dream? of Phantasma, <laughs> you know? A Fantasia of Stance, a Stantasia, if you will. A, yeah, that was pretty good. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Whatever I was going to say wasn't as good. So <laughs> go with that. We're rolling with it. But yeah, this, this show, I mean, We'll set the stage because I think it it almost had this weird energy of a bit of a psychopath with less tech. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, it's basically set in normal modern Japan. Um, It's celebrated to be, you know, the like the world's leading uh, peaceful country. Like it's an uh, ambassador of peace and uh, societal kind of even keelness. But that is clearly kept that way by some organization we learn that it's by the da and was it like direct something uh, i forgot what they just call it the da a lot in sub i don't know if they actually the name like out defense loud. agency or something yeah defense agency but it's run offensively by a squad of very similarly aged girls from 14 to 17 called the lacorius and uh it's Basically, they're uh, there's no other way to say it. They're a bunch of gunslinging chicks, kind of in a very uh, John Wick style. Like they keep the peace with 
small arms essentially <laughs> both holding small arms with their small arms they keep so, the peace by just like plucking it off earth if anyone does anything even slightly bad that was the one thing too it's not even it's not even just that they're combating active threats both large and small they have an information system so intelligent that they know of these threats before they happen so they're literally snuffing it out before this the society at large can even understand that a threat is occurring and that's a pretty uh that's a pretty interesting thing to even have up top like the sense of peace like not just that things that happen that are bad or dangerous are taken care of but they are snuffed out before they can even happen i, I the, the show kind of questions that that's a good or bad thing i don't know what your initial thoughts on that i don't premise. so i don't think the show even really brings that up particularly till near the end they, they they lead with it and then they drop it entirely. I think they lead with it as yeah, like they, they uh, this sandwich. is this is what's going on. Yeah, but they don't actually like delve into the topic of whether it is justified, good, bad, whatever until really the last three episodes. Yeah. But what I uh, what I found like just so wild and and I obviously when I I watched it the first couple episodes first. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and told you it was like. There's just something like interesting about it. It's it, the animation style is so fluid. Like in 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 like some of the like QCB combat situations where there's yeah. like close in you know close quarters shooting people like close up. You know what I mean? It looked very much like like uh, you're watching John Wick animated, but it's little you know cute girls doing cute things. Mm-hmm. And by cute things, I mean killing bad guys. Yeah, but doing it with a cute face on. And I think they did do a lot of A1 pictures and whoever was kind of in in charge of storyboarding and keyframing all this. It is clear that they did a lot of study on small arms combat because you ever watch those uh, videos of Keanu Reeves like training for John Wick 3 and 4? It's like it's as if they just watch that on loop and then just like hit frames and hit pause on those YouTube videos and really use those for keyframes. They did a lot to make this animation feel like these these girls know what they're doing and from from the top anyone pictures they've had some banger 86 was on their docket stored on lines entire series during in the franks i mean like they they know animation and i call it the a1 eyes because we always tell it in the eyes a lot of studios have like their signatures painted on the eyes of their of their characters i think a1 is like one of those ones that you can look like that's an a1 show you can see it in the face but i think face yes i didn't really notice much particularly special or in depth about the eyes like there are some studios where they like go ham on the eyeballs it's fair yeah but i'm not sure that i it wasn't a fidelity it was just a style they were they're rounded less you know you can always tell with all a lot of the male characters they're always just really really tight and really menacing looking in a lot of ways but neither here nor there it's just the stuff that i i noticed and i'm like this is i once i knew it's a1 i was like yeah yeah you could see those eyes you know you, i know what was going on but i mean it, it the fluidity the like the on model aspect of it all that this is the opposite of studio trigger which we talked about with cyberpunk right it's literally they're on model all the time it is crispy as all get out they never they never leave model just for the matter of like fluidity they just add more frames right which is great i mean that's that's a great style that is kind of modern anime at its core so visually a treat and uh they even take the kind of care in the slice of life parts which 
didn't think they would do. I thought they blew all their budget on all the gunfights, but sure enough, they found a little in the back pocket, like, ooh, let's make that hair bounce a little bit when she's like moving her way towards Takina or whatever the hell. Um, it, it's uh, it's fresh from slice of life to action. They got everything. I'm into it. Yeah, and it, I just wanted to just reiterate, like, it, it was clear that they cared a lot about the show, like both aspects. Like you're saying, they yeah. they they really did put a lot of time and effort into the animation of just like the daily life. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't know that someone drops a bunch of plates and talking, you know, we'll go do like some freaking matrix shit to, <laughs> to grab all the plates. Just to make sure nothing breaks. Right. And just like, I don't know, like everything was animated really, really well. Um, I mean, there's nothing really more to say as far as like the, all the characters looked cool and interesting. Right. Like I think, um there was some like dorky aspects like all the hackers for whatever reason were just like would wear mascot suits i i i get the vibe of it but it's it was definitely strange i mean i think the the thing they're going for there with the hackers is that they are almost from a international view both from people who aren't in that community and are threatened by their prowess see them as their avatar and names their act literal personas precede them right people who know walnut know them as their icon and their <laughs> name and people who, fucking name. who know robata as the icon as the name before the actual human being we never even see one of those hackers faces but he's one of the most prominent characters with a lot of personality so like you don't even have to i think that's kind of the the hacker persona they're going for there but uh, let's let's set the stage because i think that this story and these characters are shockingly deep and i went in with a good expectation and i think it exceeded that with the story and characters here so with that group i said loquitas basically is the front-running offensive group for this da that snuffs out any kind of violence uh threat to society terrorism before it even happens typically and one of the greatest of them is this little girl named chisato and she is this like cheek they, they call her a cheeky brat in the show right and honestly she is she for is, sure she has got personality up to her forehead like it's it, she is brimming just with fun personality she's ready to get quippy with people she's ready to get serious when it means it and she is then kind of at the first episode straddle with this other girl from the same organization named takina takina inoue takino inoue and she is this kind of play by the rules. She is a soldier. You say jump. She says how high kind of chick. And based on a recent mission that we see up top in the show, she defied orders and now is forced into this weird far DA branch, not the main campus, which she had set her sights on since she started. But she's now kind of thrusted to the outskirts of this organization, left almost to rot in the same way in a big company. You don't get fired. You just get moved somewhere to this like far off department to just like perform your duties or you quit, whatever. Right. Um, she's too much of a company man to quit. So now she is part of this ragtag group, this branch at a uh, honestly one of the cutest, amazingly coziest coffee shops I've ever seen in anime. That they've named Lico Rico. Yeah. Incredible name. Incredible aesthetic on the inside. Would go for espresso daily 10 out of 10. I want to go there so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it did look like a really like fun environment. I loved the 
I guess OST every episode would like start like looking at the 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 sign Lico Rico Sweets and Cafe or something, yeah. and then just like open the door and kind of move through. You're that's it's the centerpiece of that, and I love how it's kind of placed against the set pieces of like these massive organizations, these massive like terrorist plot set pieces. But it all either starts at or comes back to Lico Rico Sweets and Cafe. Always, right. always comes back to that spot. What a what a cozy and the cozy aesthetic kind of makes the characters and the uh, the group that forms there that grows at some in little ways throughout the show very much uh, very much as cozy as the setting can be. So loved love that art the already that character setting is amazing. You have this kind of mix of uh, you know slice of life true sitcom, but you know you're that's kind of b-side i would even call i'd yeah i'd call that b-side because c-side turns into a-side later i got a whole spiel on it but the (laughs) i do but the a-side is is this conflict of these you know highly trained almost black widow-esque assassins in middle school girl uniforms going out snuffing terrorist acts before they even happen off the rip i mean did you feel like that was you know, if you were in this world, would you be comfortable in a world like that? Would you even know? I guess ignorance truly is bliss for someone like us in that world. Well, I think that's kind of the end of the show story, so I don't really even want to talk about that yet. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it is. The, no, I'm not saying that it's questioned later, but that is the setup from episode one. I mean, nobody knows anything about it, so I don't think anyone would really care. I guess that's I guess that's fair. I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, if you don't think that they're doing like black site shit in inside the U.S. borders, I think you're out of your fucking mind right now. That's what I'm saying. It did not seem like it was just the Japanese thing. It's definitely an international organization. Um, no, they were could, just Japanese. I mean, like in real life, they're for sure just like. Oh, I mean, popping people off, and I, you know, <laughs> whatever. Sure. So I mean, I. I lo- I just love the way that they they kind of bounce between the same characters having to deal with, you know, the uh, national level threats versus serving somebody a parfait that looks like a piece of shit. So like, I think <laughs> something that was interesting was you would think in a show like this they would lean into like a go to school and be an assassin kind of trope that would happen pretty much in any other anime, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. But there's like actually no school that I was able to parse out for any of the Lycoris girls. It's just like either the main campus, you're training to go do assassination missions or whatever you got to do. And then um, if you're in Lico Rico, you're just, I don't know, making parfaits. That was the one thing I did notice. They had a throwaway line, uh, I think, later in the show, where a uh, the chorus basically is an individual that is going to be in the service of the DA until they're eighteen. Right. So I I presume with we see them go to the main campus like almost routinely to have to do training, to have to get physicals, and I presume that there is some education there. There is a supervisor. I would presume for any kind of uh is basically has to have some kind of teacher or supervisor and we see that you know this chisotas is uh at this point in time this guy named mika who is the supervisor of uh lico rico the coffee shop and he kind of runs everything he's just like big tall dreaded black dude who is like caned up but he's like this super sweet guy who runs everything 
And you have uh, Mizuki, who in my mind is 11 out of 10 smoke show. Like, yeah, literally for sure. The absolute time of this show. Hilarious that she's like, cannot find a boyfriend somehow. I'm like, I don't know, honey. I think like, you would find a boyfriend. If you just put the bottle down for five seconds and just go outside. Even without that. No, no, I think with, uh, yeah, honestly, with that, like, you can go out and have a good time. That's the funniest shit. Like, I can't find a man. You're just, just go outside. Just go outside the shop. You literally can find a guy. I, right. I believe. Trust me. Um, call me. I don't know. But th- this. She's <laughs> is kinda, this weird? I, I mean, call weird? me. I mean, she call me just yeah. a little bit. I mean, like, you're looking so desperate over there. It's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. So they, they have this ragtag team. And that that is the, the funniest part is that I love the trope of like a ragtag team that is competent in their own well-oiled machine. We see it a lot. We saw it a bit with, no, edge runners, they, they felt that way. I mean, I'm almost thinking like a super crooks or like maybe, nah, great pretender, they were too good at their jobs. I don't know. There, there are a lot of these heist anime that they all feel ragtag. I mean, we, uh, you watch the boys, right? Duh boys. There you go. Duh boys. They, they felt ragtag as fuck, but they got it done. They were taking down literal gods of themselves. Like they were just putting down supers and so i mean i love that trope where despite them looking dysfunctional as shit when push comes to shove they got it like down to a science and i love that idea yeah but i think you know it maybe wouldn't have gone so well if they didn't have like for whatever reason like two of the strongest lycoris of all time the best hacker of all time like just like wildly good talent yeah and like i i guess we should talk about Chisato is essentially like they call her like the first or like a first. I think a first might imply rank. Right, right. Okay, okay. But yeah. she's evidently been that way since she was like 12 or something. And oh, now she's yeah. like getting close to 17 or whatever. So basically, it's, it is known now. But, through, yeah. But she has like borderline precognition. Yeah. When she gets, I guess, in combat situations, she can like dodge bullets and it seems like fairly easy for her. And to the point where it's like almost like reflexive. Like she literally can just do it on instinct. She can't not, she can't get shot. (laughs) She can't get shot. Like there is at least three people in this series watching her performance and has said, it's almost as if you can't kill her with a gun. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. And someone's like, that's almost the shit you kind of see in anime. Mind blown, like fourth wall. But that's what it is. Apparently her eyes and her brain are so tuned in and locked in that she can understand the trajectory and the prediction of like, like literally something as fast as bullets based on the individual firing them. So she's not just, she's not bullying like, uh, like she's not pulling kind of moves like this, like react reactionarily. She's doing it proactively. Like she knows exactly from the movement of these individuals because her eyesight's that good. It's a little bit like Laplace's demon. Where a like little you bit. You already right? know what's going to happen because of like all of the math leading up to it. Yes. So, I mean, that and it, it would turn out it turns out that this skill was so potent to a certain individual institute without saying how they helped her. The Allen Institute seems to be another force in this world like the DA and some other terrorist groups that they seem to be helping individuals with truly genius gifts, however they need to be helped at basically the um, at the cost of them doing what is known as their mission. 
it's clear that they are given from the beginning that the, you know, special individuals that commonly are given an owl pendant. So you kind of can know who's who has the support of this grand scientific ahead of their time Institute. Um, And all of them from the beginning say, oh, I'm just supposed to do my mission. It would have been interesting if they had kind of dug into the Allen Institute a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got such a surface level, like skim off the top of that large iceberg. Um, it would because like they were saying, some of the technologies that they helped with were like twenty years ahead of time. I think someone mentioned generations ahead of its time. So it's like, uh, you got aliens helping you out or what, dog? Oh, that's the third floor. They got a <laughs> they got a whole institute. Third floor is just aliens. Just well, like that's what I'm saying. Just, yeah. I, I feel like while not necessary really to delve deeper into. As like somebody who enjoyed the world and enjoyed kind of like the, I guess, repertoire between yeah. all of the different organizations, it would have been interesting to kind of delve a little deeper into that. I thought for me, just because like, how do you get technology so far ahead of time and nobody knows about it? They clearly have like dumb, dumb, you know, money bags to drop. Oh, they have mad And cash, then yeah. uh, like the missions that they support aren't necessarily for the good of like the world. It's like literally... If you're just like singularly good at any specific thing and then you need some help, they will help you. I think that is uh, that distinction right there is important, at least for the story that we got. It wasn't really crucial that we understood more about the Allen Institute as a whole. However, we do get a lot of time with its leader and his philosophies. And you see up front exactly what you're just talking about, that the Institute's philosophy, which I guess is an extension of his, uh, named uh, Yoshimata. Uh, I think his name Yoshimata. Yoshimatsu. Yoshimatsu. I don't think he was the leader, by the way. He was just like, I guess, an ambassador. Then he, he must have been at least an ambassador enough to will these kind of big projects onto people they found special. So uh, it, to to that end, right, is that the philosophy being it's not about if you're good or bad from a societal perspective that they foster genius in any respect they see it that i found is a really interesting idea for a show that is very concerned later on with the concept of societal goods and evils and how you deal with either side for an institute to basically be we're not here to really decide what's good or bad we're just fostering extraordinary, however form that may take. And it seems to be an aftermath because they, we, we find later that they help these kids with these extreme technological advancements, but even they don't predict what they're going to do with that kind of second chance, so to speak. Um, and despite that turning into societal good or evil, they help anyway. What an interesting concept. But also weird because there's like sort of like the the last half or third of the show. Yeah. It's really delving into the like they had a plan for what uh, Chisato's mission is and she's not doing it the way that they wanted her to do it. I was going to get to that when we start getting to Spoiler City. But you're right. Is that that crumbles away a bit. When I, I think that it speaks to this, there's nothing truly neutral, right? In, I mean, in the well, world, that, right. but like they're not, they're not as philanthropic as they're pretending to be, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it's almost, I almost found it like almost like theocratic in in a certain way, where it's like they believe there's like these 
like divined missions that these children have. And it sort of like takes away from like the individuality of like every human being. Oh yeah. Right? Like you're, you're on your path. And if you go off your path, we're going to take back what we got to take back. From I think, you. I think that's what they see, right? Is that uh, if, if Mr. Yoshi is anything to be indicative of the Allen Institute at large is that they see gifts, be it genius or otherwise, as basically divinely intertwined with the purpose you should be following. So if you have a gift for something that is indicative of your purpose, and we see that uh, Chisato basically being supported by the Allen Institute and recognized for a genius, they by we'll get into in a bit, but they do basically for, try to force her into fulfilling the purpose they see she should be going down because the gifts they recognize in her those are intertwined they're correlating basically the uh the gift with the intended purpose right you are born and built for x therefore you need to pursue nothing else but x which is again a pretty nuanced kind of idea on talent and purpose as like a narrative through line i actually really enjoyed kind of the subtlety of a lot of that and the way that they kind of ramp up escalation of ideas from there well what's your opinion on that i i almost feel like they're not so far off where it's like if you're singularly gifted at one thing it's almost like it's almost a travesty to not try to see what the end of that path looks like. I, I think it comes down to one of the episodes later. Episode 12 is called nature versus nurture. And I think that's a real I think that is the debate here in one of the major motifs of this show is that is the nature of your inborn talent as others see it indicative of your purpose or could you nurture that down a different path? Could you have this truly born skill? You're right. She could be the, uh, the best paintball player that's ever existed. Literally could be <laughs> international tomorrow. Tomorrow. She's overnight. MVP of the paintball league. An airsoft arsenal of one. Like literally. <laughs> but to, yeah, I think that she could have taken that her skill as others have deemed it a skill, a genius for killing. But in more of a biological sense rather than like a uh, a trained one, right? Like she didn't just take to the lesson. She's we, actually, we know she didn't take to a lot of the lessons because we know from in comparison to, to Tanika, she's Takina. actually a, Takina, Tanika, um, <laughs> Tanika, uh, Tanika, Takina. Um, Takina is like a, a machine crack shot, like literally right. 10 rings all day with live rounds. But we know that uh, Chisato is basically a pretty shit shot from like mid-range further. So she, with her style, given her, her gift of being able to dodge bullets almost precognitively, will get right up John Wick style right into f someone's fucking gut and just blast them. Which, interesting, right? She didn't even take to the nurture. She's relying solely on nature to do this job her own way. Which is which is rather fascinating. She, it's that makes them kind of an interesting contrast as a binary character. System. Did you ever watch World Trigger? Uh, yeah, I watched the first season of World Trigger. So there's this character Jin. He's like an S class. I don't know whatever they call, uh, like an S class. 
I think they're almost called like anomaly or whatever within the organization. Sure. So like it goes up from like D or whatever to A as like ranked teams. And then the S class people are on their own kind of doing their own thing. I vaguely remember this. I watched it in 2015 with our boy Ryan. Yeah. For the first time. So yeah. this kind of remi- like her kind of whole aesthetic and ideals reminded me immensely of Gene because he like just did his own thing. He yeah. was like a massively powerful individual and like they relied on him heavily, but they also like, you know, you can't like stop somebody like that. It's like, you're, you're so, you, you're so confident in your own abilities that you can just like do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like you're that far above people because of this one thing. And then that's like literally how she acted too. And honestly, I think his abilities were like not all that different than hers. So it was like a, almost a double comparison where I'm like, yeah. Yo, she, they just literally like ripped a character from World Trigger and made her like a cute little girl. Love it. Like, can't say, can't say anything better about it. Um, but I think that's, I think that's really where I think the start, like the show starts to both shine. Would you be like uber cocky if you were like the world's best at something? Yes. I think I would like be a menace. I, 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 would, I don't know if I'd be a menace. I, I, would, I would be a be, menace. I would brother. be confident, like, I know I'm better than you, but I would definitely be like, you know, if you ain't here to be a, like, if you if you step to me, basically, I will show you what is good. Yeah, that, if that that's it. But <laughs> you're if, a like, thousand years too young. Yeah, right. But if you're like someone aspiring and what I'm the world's best at, like, I know I could be that for like you could be when I'm gone. Someone else has to be the world's best, right? Yeah, that I can be like I could be that for like the next generation. I live I forever. Yeah, I guess I'll just live forever then. No big deal. But in in her being the best, I I find it a little interesting where the show starts to shine, and then a couple just a couple places where I think it starts to crumble because we are in the second half of this episode, and I think it's important to start getting to the second half because we start to learn more interesting details about Chisato's uh, situation. You know, not just that she's, you know, godly at this particular skill, but we learn maybe more about what uh, the gift she's been given gift in heavy quotes based based on that skill and what the Allen Institute wanted for her. And then what the D.A. wanted with that skill as well. They everyone involved recognized that she had a gift, a genius for killing. And everyone seemingly but her wanted her to be an actual killing machine. But she isn't. She isn't a killing machine. Right. She doesn't kill shit. In fact, what kind of bullets does she use, Ethan? These crystalline rubber bullets. They literally shatter in uh, kind of a red mist on impact, which great visual decision right there. Because it definitely looks like blood and it hits like blood. And, but it's like, it's just, a, it's fun kind of visual uh, uh, juxtaposition. It looks almost flashier than blood itself does in this show. Um, but yeah, she doesn't kill anybody. She just has these high impact, like literally feels like a punch, like a like Kaioken times two punch in the gut. Just like you're down after two of them. That's yeah. going to happen to you. Um, but they don't kill you. Nobody gets killed by her. She is a body count of Zippo. Yeah, so it's kind of as interesting, I think, juxtaposition of Takina and her. Because like you said, Takina is so by the book. And, and the book She's being... so mechanically, I guess, gifted at killing in her own way. Like, you know what I mean? She's so by the book. 
Like you do something like slightly wrong, she'll just freaking blast you for it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 100%. like like a pure juxtaposition, like orthogonally toward uh, Chisato, who doesn't want to kill anybody. Yeah. And then like there's there's a few I think interactions between them as kind of like the season goes on, where it's like if you just killed them, we would have been like wouldn't have to deal with them later or like things like that. And, and, and there's a vice versa situation. Right, and there's vice versa as well where she like pops somebody that she didn't really need to. Or if you had, if you hadn't gone back to help tend to his wounds, we probably would have been screwed right. just for the way things shook out. Um, but uh, yeah, to that end, that's kind of the whole philosophical uh, nugget of uh, Chisato for various reasons. Um, but she, uh, she doesn't kill anyone. But she's incredible at her job, which it leads to the first thing that this show really, really shines at. I think this is a really good application of the buddy cop formula. Right? Yeah, it was fair. You have one who is a loose cannon, but uh, you have one who's a loose cannon, one who plays by the books, and they have to then join forces through. I'm going to buy the books down on my luck, cop. <laughs> you do this one more time, loose cannon, I'm taking you off the force. That kind of shit, right? <laughs> yeah. and, she, like, and she was basically the buy the books girl made a rogue decision by, you know, absolutely clapping a whole room of people to save a friend. But then because defying orders, she was sent to the outskirts and in those outskirts she found the loose cannon but what made that interesting is kind of what you just said the by the books person is causing more violence and death than the loose cannon is right you have this almost normally the loose cannon in a lot of buddy cop scenarios is the one who's toting the lines of decency being the one who's morally gray where the one who is the by the books person is the white knight at least from the beginning you don't have that here your right. white knight is the loose cannon and your by the books person is she's got some, she's got a red ledger for sure. So like, I love the way that they played that. While they are the same archetype, their ultimate methods contradict that, and I, and uh, so brilliant. And it made for really good, uh, really good character development. Made for good TV, I'll give you that. Made for good TV. There was this uh, this kind of like really small storyline that I really enjoyed. Yeah. It was. Uh, for whatever reason, they were looking at the Lyco Rico's like budgets for like a few ep- oh, let's like go. an episode. This is so good. Yeah, it was so funny because I've never seen a show really go into like the expenses of running an organization that's like out there popping off all the time. It wasn't just that Takino was was saving the front and the legit the actual business, right? Right, but it was just like they they would <laughs> they had this like, like entire almost like montage of them do, going through both of the jobs, right? Like doing their like parfaits or whatever and like really sizing them down or making them look like dog shit and for whatever reason <laughs> becoming super popular. And then they'd also like show them like terrorists or whatever, like only shooting like two bullets or like counting how many bullets you shot. And you're like, you're shooting too many bullets. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you, you had this, that scene. It's so brilliant because they do intertwine the slice of life front with the badass backing actual business where the scenes were one after the other right you had don't call a cleaner that's going to be a massive cost don't drop dishes or we're going to have to pay for those hey only use two bullets your parfait's too expensive good job you only used one bullet and we don't need a cleaner this time like you see them get better at both 
but like scene, they also scene, like, scene, scene. It's they so blackmailed good. one of these, one of the oh, like, that's right, that's right. One of the people they went to help, they ended up blackmailing him so they didn't have to pay for like, I guess, incidentals. Yeah, right. Or they made all the incidentals from the guns and the triggers of the other people. Right. Because they basically were trying to screw them out of their money. So two of the hitmen were going to till, were going to kill uh, Chisato and Takina. Takina. God damn it. Why can't I pronounce her name right? Takina? Yeah. Duh, Takina. Um, basically, they're going to kill those two, and they were just dodging and making moves to basically say, we're not paying for that. Bullet behind her head, not paying for that. <laughs> and the entire place is shot up behind them like, we didn't fire a bullet. Sorry. <laughs> you got to, I'm not paying for shit. Yeah, it wasn't me. And I love that uh, Takina was basically had the bomb they're supposed to defuse by the final wire, by the final two wires. Right. It's like, I'm not going to cut the last one until you pay up. You don't know how to do this. I do. <laughs> but it was like, it was just kind of funny. Like that is, in my opinion, probably more morally bad than a lot of the things in the show is like blackmailing the fuck out of this guy with a bomb. <laughs> with literally a bomb there sent there to defuse by business. But yeah, and, and that's it. And that's kind of how the buddy cop thing goes like through is like talking is learning from Chisato that like, you know, you, like, taking things so seriously, it kind of removes your ability to enjoy life. And here's the first little gripe that i have in a good buddy cop scenario you're learning both parties are learning from the other what did chisato learn from takina i can't i couldn't really what lessons did she pull away from her she felt oddly static throughout the entire show and that has a bigger implication later but i don't know if you caught something i didn't i think she's really supposed to be like that true north character that like has her path in her head and like doesn't ever really come to like they they do at some point like try to get her to stray back to the path they want her to go on but she's like so set in her ways and and i think actually probably the only morally good character in the whole show seems like i want both you and the students to put a pin in exactly what you just said because i think you are right she does represent a very interesting true north archetype in a story like this where true norths maybe could be argued wouldn't be good for this kind of story but she's here and that makes for a good and i think a later bad but we do have to get into the kind of the main antagonist of this show we do have a terrorist group on our hands one that seems to have been around for a while what was the guy's name green hair red shirt majima majima my dude he is kind of this he he feigns chaos, but his entire philosophy is I'm just trying to get everything in balance. Like any force that considers himself evil needs to be right is with as much agency as all the forces that claim to be good. And he's trying to find it this way. That's his kind of twisted philosophy that manifests itself in terrorism, which didn't. I can kind of understand that, but whatever. Yeah, uh, but so one I mean, thing I we're love, in spoiler territory. We have to be now. There's no way around um, it. I mean, and so I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows this is like spoiler warning. Um, but he is my favorite character of the whole show. Yes. Because yeah. he's one of those characters where like they're doing bad things, but potentially for good reasons. And it's 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 a lot like the uh, the psychopath villain from season one from and also like Thanos, like you know Thanos was right. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> like you, you look at their reasoning, and that's what makes, I think, a good villain in any media in the last decade. That, ju- that has happened. Not like the 2020s. I mean, the last 10 years. You need a morally gray villain, and the grayness comes from their philosophy. Once heard, you're like, shit, in a real sterile way, I, I can't argue with what they're saying. Um, and well, because like his, his main gripe is nobody knows about these Lycoris girls. Yeah. They're doing all these like basically hits on Japanese sovereign soil. And they've, they're playing this. They're essentially like whitewashing and like, you know, bl- blanking out all of the public to, to yeah. any of the actions and like accidents and terrorist attacks. And, and he basically goes through this whole kind of segment where he's like trying to pull the wool out of their eyes, like the citizens' eyes, and be like, look, like everybody is claiming that Japan is so like peaceful and like it's there's nothing going on. And I loved that um, juxtaposition with the first scene of the entire show. Yes. Where like everybody's just like peacefully walking down the streets and then you're seeing these like little schoolgirls come out of nowhere and just bat people. Just blap, blap, blap. And then like, it's like right back to peaceful. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like this idea that like, you know, and I think a little bit of what we talked about earlier is ignorance bliss. And like, is Japan peaceful because they're dealing with all the like, is that really that bad? Kind of harkens back to the philosophies of another A1 picture show we talked about recently. 8686, right? That those citizens were the setup for that. Their bliss was ignorance filled. Yeah, but right? they were racists. So they were also racists. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit different. This one hits a little close to home because, I mean, it's kind of we we know very readily, I think, that, you know, there is a, you know, the Japanese judicial system. I mean, 98 percent like incrimination rate, like an actual like uh, uh, charge, like crimes charged because of just their system. And we have very low gun violence in Japan. I mean. There is a, like they're kind of playing on real world visual perceptions, optics of the country, you think? Because, I mean, the, the, they're they're basically I think all the stats that they base this show on are a bit true, but they're implying, at least in this fictional version of Japan, that it's built on the scaffold of these hits that are happening. Government approved hits from these highly trained assassins, which is kind of interesting that they've gone so real with with the setting at least from the front end i liked it yeah i'm not sure how much they're trying to like really allude to real life there i i don't think they're trying to they're not alluding to real life they're piggybacking at least off the surface level idea of what's currently happening because admittedly japan's I, i think is a pretty peaceful country comparatively I would say. Well, given, I, I mean, it has to be right. Like some of the, yeah, like stuff we read about just like random killings or whatever. It would be like one person or two person, and that's like a tragedy. And people would be talking about that for years and years right. to come. Yeah. Whereas like Chirac, there's people dying literally right now. You know what I mean? Left and so right. it's like, um, I think a little bit. I mean, you don't really, really want to compare like death tolls or whatever. We but aren't. But. It's just a very different, I think, society, it seems like. But it is. I, I think it was like a really interesting look at it. It's like, is it still peaceful if nobody knows? That's the question being posed, right? And I, I would argue no. I'd argue no, because I, I think it's, of course, morally abhorrent that they're just like capping people and then lying to all, like, I think 
and maybe he does do a good job of explaining like the media like essentially blackout on any of these events is like super super damaging and like stupid yeah yeah and i i feel like that is true in real life like i feel like we never get like the real answer to anything or like what's actually going on like in any news story no like i would rather them just tell me the facts of what happened and then let me decide what's going on rather than just like spun until you can't spin it no more and i think that's what this show is showing here is that they aren't the the piece of Japan in this fictional Tokyo or this fictional Japan at large is not devoid of violence. It's compartmentalizing it. Yes, and exactly. That's where it's just putting it over there and letting highly trained combatants handle any threat, period, before it shows up or if it's big enough when it shows up. And uh, Majima is basically the guy that is trying, like you said, to unveil that and like, look. Your peace isn't going away, but this is its cost. Nothing's not happening. Something is happening over here, but you aren't seeing it and you are comfortable not having to. And I think him, his philosophy and his methods are vastly interesting. I love the way it feels big brained. It doesn't feel outlandish. He does that thing later. Like we find in episode one, the whole precipice for like you know talking to going off the off the main squad main campus's teams is because she's trying to stop an arms deal we find out later that it's the arms deal he's setting up so not to sell them not to build an army but to literally put them in the hands of citizens the moment he exposes this group of the chorus to the country and if you see a girl here, they're doing this and then shows bloodied bodies with them with revolvers in hand. Like if you see a girl on the street, she's doing this right now to keep the peace. And then sure enough, they're mo- like with on directive shooting down citizens because they have live guns. That's their job to suppress any form of against the status quo yeah i thought it was phenomenally well well done. fucking done like that is that's a good ass almost joker-esque plot right there i think it's more like the psychopath villain than anything yeah it is like frankly really similar um but like i mean he was one of the better i mean season one of psychopath is one of the better like sort of psychological thrillers oh, incredible yeah in anime and i think did a really good job of like Comparing to something like a minority report or something like that. And and I feel like this show, like as vaunted as those names of, of media are, deserves to be sort of in that same realm. I think they, they are in the conversation for sure. Um, I, if I may, I got a bit of a gripe with how the show kind of ended from a philosophical view. Because <laughs> Interesting. To, to your point, to our points, this show has done such good work to put it in the psychopath season one echelon, right? So now we have to have a discussion of combating psycho- like, like uh, philosophies and psychologies, right? What this show, I felt like it turned into, like I said up top, it started as a John Wick. It turned into a Christopher Nolan's Batman and Joker. I th- was going to say it turned into My Hero Academia. Okay, let me say my piece. I want to hear your piece here in a second because okay. I think I, I didn't see that one coming, but I can see it, but I want to hear your points. 
my, where I where I see this analog is the fact that you have a highly talented, capable, supported individual who is trying to do good, holds himself to an almost impossible standard in a in a profession that that standard is counterintuitive to, aka killing people, and they have an antagonistic force that seems to be almost a perfect counterpart. Couldn't really exist without them existing and the philosophy of that antagonistic force is basically i don't want to live by someone else's rules i want to use my methods to to show the ugliness of everything despite the peace i want to see someone like you fall is what i want to see there's a lot of parallels here in that but i almost feel as though this show did one thing better than i think a lot of mainstream batman movies could not I've read some of the comics and watched some of the animated stuff. I think they do it just as good. Killing Joke does this is pretty pretty good as well. They push our non-killing character to, I think, way better ends to get her to kill. This, I think this show, this show, I disagree. Oh, okay. I, I <laughs> infinitely really. You don't think Mister Yoshi saying I have the thing that'll save your life and everyone around you wants this? Just kill me. I'm the guy that you hate now more than anything. Kill me and you can live longer. I think it, it sort of betrays the character of Chisato, though. She's so true north that it would never enter into her brain to do that. Like, maybe that's a personal choice. I want, but it I did, like, like, a better job of, like, pushing Takina to kill him, pushing, like, Mika to kill his lover, right? Like, it did a better job of, like, affecting everybody peripherally to Chisato. Like, Chisato is such... Um, almost like a martyr character in her own right, where she was like, she's willing to like, well, first of all, she never expected to live forever, right? So, so that was kind of like the basis of her entire story. Cool. That's where, my biggest gripe of the entire show. Can I finish my point? I'm just going to throw it there. But yes, I, I need to hear this point because you may, you may change my mind on this. Like everything she did, like her whimsy and everything was because like she got a second lease on life, a second chance. Right. And her whole philosophy of not wanting to take away people's time because she was given extra time, essentially. And like her, her like basically full philosophy is just to enjoy all the moments that she gets. And I think there's a lot of like, there's like kind of good stuff to take from that. I think people kind of get bogged down in daily life and, and like sometimes you just got to re realize like fuck like life <laughs> is sick even though like bad shit's happening or like i'm tired or work sucks or whatever oh like, yeah the, you, the you plights just gotta, the plights seem petty and it's in the face of someone like chisato right and like personally for me like this time of year just like out for a walk at like i don't know maybe like 6, 7 p.m. where it's like starting to get dark, but the sky is still like uber blue. Yeah, right. You got that like nice little chilly wind it's blowing getting colder through. with every step. It's just yeah. like, there's something so blissful about oh, like yeah. nighttime walking and in the fall that like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I guess I resonated with her to be like, look, like there's no, I'm not going to change my morals or my compass based on what everybody wants from me. And that's what I kind of liked as her like rebuttal to them saying like, well, your path is to kill. And she really is like, she could be just like the Reaper princess of this show. Honestly, an international um, threat. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, I kind of like the idea of her just being like, no, I'm not going to 
get rid of my morals just to like extend my life. Right. Like I, I do think like, of course, realistically, somebody would probably get the guy cause he is like a terrorist. Also, he's, a, he's genuinely a <laughs> like, shithead. I think yeah. we need to say Yoshi was the true terrorist the whole time. He was. Yeah. Literally um, hiring a, a trained Alan children terrorist, a genius in his own right to, to do his bidding. Essentially. Multiple actually. Yeah. Multiple. Exactly. I, I, I think as a rebuttal is the one thing that I was kind of upset at was a couple of, but she was like never in any real danger of doing it. I think that's the difference. Like, the difference between killing joke is like he was about to fucking kill him. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Fair enough. That's, that's the thing. There was no inherent. Well, okay. So here that that's the one thing is that I walked away with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth because you the, a couple quotes. There was a quote earlier in the show when the first time her heart came up. We had not mentioned that the way that the Allen Institute again, spoiler city guys, Allen Institute had helped her was because she was recognized for her killing talent, so she was given an artificial heart that never beated generations ahead of its time that would at least give her enough life until she was 18. Now, the the premise of that initially was do your own mission, but we learn later that Mr. Yoshi was essentially saying, I, I he made a deal with Mika, her you know essential guardian, you train her to be the best killer on the planet. She has the go- she has the goods. And at first he said, all right. And later he's just like, yeah, that's not a good idea. I don't think I think it was a good move on his part because she would have been a fucking menace of all well, things considered neither here nor there. But what I think it's like sort of a classic story of like the trainer or like the father figure like has second thoughts because of like the close relationship with the student. It's kind of Alfred esque. Like at first he was facilitating and he's like, I don't want to see you like this. Like. You're clearly, or I guess, in the Christopher it. Nolan one. The yeah. Christopher Nolan is specifically this, but and then later she has a quote that <laughs> you know, uh, you you like don't strain yourself, and she, we learn about the heart, and she said it doesn't really matter. Even with the heart, I didn't have much time. Even with this heart, I don't have much time anyway. And everyone's like, "What?" She's like, "What?" And we don't talk about it till way later. I think she she knew even with the heart, her time was limited. Yeah, cool. We have cool. later, we have later, <laughs> cool, we have later a scene, the very, very end, where uh, cool. Chisato and Majima, Majima said it, I'm the guy looking for balance and disruption, you're the one looking to maintain the status quo, what a fitting pair. Cool. And she basically, it got me thinking, she is fighting for the status quo. To your point, he's the one trying to like fix the inequities of of the way the society is. She's the one trying to keep it the same. And she has this thing like, I like my friends. I like being at the cafe. I like a lot of things the way they are right now. And it hit me. That's really easy for someone to say when she knows she's going to be gone soon. Someone with limited time like her, it makes a lot of sense. You'd want to keep the status quo the way it is because you don't have to deal with the repercussions when you're gone. She even says later, what do I do now that I have a new heart? I have a new life, a third chance even. I almost feel like it it betrays the character of a true North when you only have to be true for a very limited amount of time. It's pretty easy to be true North when you're out in six months and you don't have to deal when you have when you don't have to deal with the repercussions of actions. I, I, I guess felt like that betrayed I a bit, you know, agree and disagree because they did offer the option to extend her life, but she would have to 
compromise on her morals? And she said no. It was actually not necessarily that that got me. It's that I would like to have her been challenged to see beyond the life of someone who's going to die in two months and at best maybe eight. Like, even, well, I think, right? it, yeah, but like, just to see it and then reject it, it back yeah. to reality really quick yeah. is like, if you're a terminal patient, I, I think it is probably unwise to just be like, oh yeah, I'm still going to live forever. You know what I mean? Like, I think you do need to like get your affairs in order. And in this case, she knows like even like she, I think was in just like kind of enjoy life mode for, for most of the show because she did have time. Like obviously sure. not like infinite time, sure. But she yeah, had yeah. time, and then when she was like faced with like, I mean, imminently you're out. She right. she does start like getting all the affairs in order, closing down Lico Rico, like saying her goodbyes to all the, the patrons that she likes, her friends, like making sure they were safe. She set uh, Takina back to DA headquarters, like basically got Kusunoki to agree, like okay, I'll take her back since this is like your last will and testament. Getting Mika kind of to i guess un, un, unleash all of his like pent up like regrets essentially um she never really got much of a chance to reconcile with yoshi because he was just a he was full-on a dickhead the he whole was, time kind of wild uh got Korami kind of go to germany live whatever and then uh tried to get mizuki to her not boyfriend boyfriend in vancouver so you're saying she did what she could within reach Right. Uh, yeah. Affairs in order. I respect that. I, I think it's more uh, to your point. I 100 percent. I, I like the way that that was handled. I just when it comes to true North characters like a Naruto or something like that, or even a Bleach, I, I like being someone like a, a true North character, but understanding the, the full depth of the temptation. But and I still think the difference is those true North characters never expect to die. They expect to be like so fucking powerful that they're going to like just never die. But losing themselves. Like if Naruto was just taking, because if Naruto let Kurama out, like he's dead straight up. Like a, like a Jinchuriki with, with their beast ripped out in any respect is dead. Like we know this. But like, I think this they is, also all had like actual goals and I'm not so sure that Chisato had a sure, solid goal. Sure. I, I guess that that's, I'm not saying that the way that this true North character is handled is inherently a bad play. My takeaway is that I think I've learned about myself. I like the idea of a true North character that is tested with the temptation, understands the fruits of that temptation, and then rejects it anyway. Didn't that, she do that? No, she didn't even. It didn't even seem like she understood. Like she was like she would be like, I I I want to kill you, but I'm not going to. I understand killing you means I live, but I'm not going to do that. She's just like, nope. Like, she didn't even understand the implications of what that means for her. I disagree. When did she say that? I never saw anything like that. She knows that if she takes the heart, she lives longer. I don't understand the question. On-screen feats. I didn't see her say anything of the sort. <laughs> I didn't see her. They, aren't you big on on-screen feats? I didn't see it on screen. She didn't even, like, she didn't wait. Like, it's not. As, it's almost as if she didn't understand what was happening to her right there. Like, wait, you have the thing that could keep me alive? I just didn't see her waver. I think that's a really powerful character thing. And I'd be like, I would like to have seen a little bit of that and still say, Absolutely I'm willing not. to say yeah. wavering would be a better like character it moment. Shows, it shows, but humanity. I disagree to say she did not understand what was happening. Fair. I, I just, I would like to have seen that portrayed. They made her bit. almost like too 
like morality just, true north. Just one clip up too much. Yes. Just just a little. We're bit. like that's where I'm at. Yeah. You're, you're you, someone faces you with the object of your like necessities to survive, and you just like you don't even like in, let it enter into your brain. Also, she's in a fucking gunfight, so maybe she wasn't even really caring. Like she was making sure everyone was good. So I can totally understand it. So I mean, I, that was just a gripe that I'm like pretty easy to see the world in rose tinted glasses when you don't have to be around for shit in like two I think months. that's totally true. Yeah. But uh, like that's real too. Yeah, it is, 100% is real. It's just like, like if I was like terminal, I would just be like, all right, see you guys, I'm going on like an insane vacation. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Everything everything is dope. I'm going to blow all this cash and we're going to go to everywhere in the world. I like that. But this whole my academia correlation, I'm curious about that. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I think actually borderline, pretty similar. Okay. So the, the, my, like the hero world is very like pro hero. Everybody like, oh wow, life is so great because all the heroes are out there protecting us and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I forget the guy's name, the, the decay kid. Um, Shigaraki? Yeah, yeah. Shigaraki, decay boy. He's <laughs> decay basically boy. like, you know, Villains are treated badly. The world isn't as good as all these, like, like this veneer that's kind of, exp- you know, upon it. And they kind of do this whole, like, like I really thought Sh- Shigaraki and Majima were pretty much the same. But I was going to say, even from a little bit of an aesthetic choice. Yeah, definitely, exactly. Definitely there. They both had, like, weird things, like, uh, bags shaggy, under their eyes, shaggy-ass shaggy hair. hair. Yeah. And, and, like, sort of the idea of, like, like the good are seen as good even though they're like lying to all the people right that they're like, like hiding the bad from from like i guess the public at large that them just by merit of being heroes kind of have a lot of this like other stuff swept away like oh they're protecting the peace and like they they're they should be held to a much stricter standard like i like almost i'm if my hero academia had the balls to do like a more of a the boys scenario, I think so. Where like, yeah. I really think that would infinitely boost that show. If like you saw some of the top heroes doing like some fuck shit, we you know do, what I yeah, mean? We don't. We definitely we we do in more personal ways. Endeavor's entire line is a bit of that fucked up. Yeah, so, I mean that's uh, kind of true, right? Like he's, yeah. he was honestly like He's number 2 and he was trying a sexual to, deviant. He was a sexual deviant, he was a child abuser just to make sure one of his kids a eugenics? Basically eugenics to try to cook up a child that could be number 1 cuz he had been resigned himself to being number 2 forever. Kind of fucked up. <laughs> a little super bit. fucked up. Yeah, but that also makes Endeavor probably one of the best pro heroes from a character situation because he's, ha- he's having his redemption arc right now but to your point yeah shigaragi is a great analog because he just he- i kind of forgot what the whole deal with him was so i was flagging a little bit on my comparison he his quirk didn't kind of like deku did not develop when people expected it developed a little bit later but when it did develop it developed suddenly and like and literally killed his, whole killed his whole family accidentally because if he puts all five of his fingers on any material, organic or otherwise, it turns to dust. Insanely powerful. If you can't control it, that is a danger. But so, so is the idea like, oh, people with quirks that are seen as evil are just automatically cast as evil? Yes. The same way that Deku without a quirk was set into his own lot without his choice. So is Shigaraki. 
he was deemed villainous from the start. What if what if Deku yeah. just went like full Batman path instead? I I've caught up with the manga and it's it, there there's a, there's some of that. There's some of that interesting bits there. What? He, yes. So like, he gets all the quirks and becomes Batman? Uh I guess shit spoilers for my hero manga he goes full batman dude like <laughs> fucking full dark knight where is she where are the drugs going <sighs> that's exactly what happens that's awesome yeah because he basically some shit goes down and he feels like if i stay around the academy everyone i know is going to get absolutely clapped i gotta go out on my own and he does it for like volumes wow. but he really gets way stronger in a not a good way but ooh, he starts sucking people dry I mean, for money. Uh, what? Heroes got to make cash too, <laughs> I guess. Oh my! Yeah, I said the Dark Knight. He's he's a uh, Dark Knight. Um, but uh, yeah, honestly, like the villain in this is for me gonna go up with one of them, like one of my favorites in a long, long, long time. It you was, know the other part I really loved about him? Hit it. He like let them have breaks in the middle of their fights. Bro, that was so good. He literally was just like, uh, you know, like 25 minutes before the building explodes. All right, all right break time. Your, your heart's clearly hurting real like, quick. I gotta... It, it made quick. me like really feel for the guy where he's like he's not that bad of a guy nope. yeah yeah he did bring like a fucking belt fed machine gun to a police station and go ham he but, said yeah but <laughs> he did say it himself if the da and, and the lacoris was weaker then i'd probably be helping you guys like why I'm, li- I'm literally here for balance like insanity if, yeah <laughs> if, if basically if the terrorist that i wasn't a part of was get was clapping and slapping you guys i'd probably help you guys I'd be like, what? Okay. <laughs> he, he saw the snuffing out of terrorists and any criminal before it even happened as an unbalance and an, an inequity societal. Which it is. And like, that's the is. whole idea of like minority report and psychopaths. Exactly. That there needs to be, everything must be even keel. Like, you know, the good can't be too good. The bad can't, bad can't be too bad. And the power can't be in one direction or another. I think I, I would call this girls und panza X psychopaths. If I had to. Basically. But yeah, more. I think the gunplay is better in this. Oh, a million percent. Yeah, the, the gunplay is better in this for, for sure. Um, I guess before we give it a rating, any any last thoughts? Walnut the hacker was a highlight for me. Me she too. Was, Once she like got rid of the whole walnut thing. Right. Uh, what, what did she? She literally called herself walnut in Japanese. What is it? Karomi. Karomi. Yeah. She a uh, little chibi, definitely heavy lolly energy, but it wasn't like, you know, you know, the Twitter hating lolly, but like an actually OK one. She was cheeky. She was funny. There was a time when she tried to get into a bar and try to fake an ID for herself. Like, I'm clearly 30. Come on. Like, so I actually could not tell if she was actually 30 or not. No, she was definitely like a child. Like they said she was doing stuff like 10 years prior to the. I don't I know. It was four years prior. There was something going on there where, like, they were saying Walnut has been, like, the top hacker for, like, 10-plus years. Maybe. And so I was, like, a little bit confused as to whether, like, I was misunderstanding or something else was going on. Maybe she was a wee baby genius. I don't know. But, like, I still think she was young. She definitely, she definitely was, like, lowly energy, but she was, like, funny. She was well used. I think it was fun that we thought she was, like, a dude until, like, episode five. That was cool. Um, you had, uh, Mika, I actually thought was a pretty weirdly nuanced character for his role. Um, he was great. Um, 
I don't know. I, I really wish. I don't know. I, I like the kind of catharsis that characters get at certain points in, in other media where it's like Chisato should have been like, thanks, dad. You know what I mean? Just like give him something because he had to kill his, his man. And like and she patted him on the shoulder at the end and say, don't don't cry, teach. He literally had to kill his lover. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he had to estrange himself for 10 years to basically raise this chick. Jeezy Pete. <laughs> but like, but Yoshi had called her their child. Right, which like, you Their know, daughter. Yeah. So I really wanted that kind of loop to close, and it didn't quite. Which really kind of frustrated me. We did. There was a moment where it was like she. I guess she really drove us both insane, didn't she? Yeah, and yeah. He said indeed. Before there, there was there yeah. was catharsis between the two of them. But that but like right, bring the kid loop. into the yeah equation. I don't know. I just I really look for those kind of like closing of. I guess storylines. I feel like there's an allegory here or like another analog of kind of like a commentary of toxic parenting where it's like one parent is forcing you into the role of the talents they see. And the other one is trying to guide you with your own ability to decide like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, that was actually very plainly laid out. I know. Like, but like, extremely, just, like, right. Well, one parent, well, they, whole, they literally said, this is our daughter. We are her parents. One parent is forcing her into a life based on the talents that is perceived by the one and the other while seeing those talents let her decide for herself and use those talents to the way that she wants to that i think is is some is a way you could basically use this show as a framework for talking about that kind of stuff i think it did actually a pretty good job of that stuff i don't know like the the reconciliation at the end was more about the parents reconciling in their views not the daughter but you're right i wish that which the yoshi... i don't feel like yoshi ever realized what he did was wrong oh i think you're right there Definitely. I, I don't think, think he ever actually... just a bad guy. I think he's just a really shitty dude at yeah. the end of the day. And he, but I think he recognizes that he is a shitty guy. He's a little bit like Kira. <laughs> a li- yeah. He like knows he's a shithead, but he thinks he's doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Like means justify the ends kind of thing. Um, but yeah, rather like I found that rather nuanced. And then uh, Mizuki was just over getting drunk in the corner. My girl. I <laughs> honestly best girl of the show. <laughs> she was funny. She as was hell. fucking great. Um, so what do you think? Do you like this or psychopaths better? Boy, howdy. I haven't done one of those in a while. Um, I think it's still gotta be psychopaths. I I think they just delayed them. They delivered the message a little better of what they're trying to sell. I I think honestly, more people have a better time with this show than I think they would with psychopaths. I think I agree with you. I think this is more like almost mainstream compliant. If you're willing to sit down and think about what the show has to say, you're going to walk away with something it's telling you. But psychopaths, that's all it is. It's Sterile. so fucking heavy handed. It's heavy handed, but it does it in like, if you're if you're ready to get into that, it does it in a really good way. Like it, like masterclass level way. This show, while it has a bit inequities here and there, questions worth being raised, that package, that pill is a lot easier to swallow. And it's a, it's a much more fun time. There is a lot more lighthearted sitcom elements to this that yeah there was lots of bants in here yeah it was a good some good the whole underpants thing early in the season was actually genuinely funny yeah i agree there i guess there's a moment where um <laughs> chisato saw uh talking his like pa- quote-unquote panties which we thought at first turns out she's wearing men's boxers because they are breathable they're easy to move in permissions and they're like you know they they feel good which 
facts can't knock actual em. genuine facts yeah, like can't knock that yeah so what there was a subversion what we thought was like oh i saw we saw talking his panties or she's going commando nah she's in full-fledged heinz boxer briefs baby like <laughs> heinz like, heinz heinz that's a ketchup <laughs> he's just gonna catch she's got little ketchup bottles all heinz. over her boxer briefs i want some heinz heinz that would be dope <laughs> as fuck i'd be great with that but yeah uh, just fun like and they the pacing is so great they work that stuff in seamlessly and any moment it feels too heavy until the maybe the very end they work in the light stuff and even at the end there's some moments where they it feels pretty light so i think personally like the last 10 episodes were much better than the first four ah uh, interesting yeah maybe first three at what point does it chop free i guess like to say the first three I think Takino the- was just like so rigid and unlikable originally. And when, okay. when when her like exterior starts to crack a little bit and she starts like realizing she's fucked. I think that's that's the moment where like she gets three episodes of being rigid. Like yeah. she had to start cracking then. That's why the pacing's good. You're right. First three uninteresting robotic. But she clearly the one thing she can relate to is Shisato absolutely tearing it up with like a fucking Glock. Yeah. So, uh, all in all, uh, this was a fun ride, and it did the thing that I think will put something into the higher counts for me in terms of ratings. Whoa. It had, it had a message. It had a really good commentary to take away. It wasn't just fun. It wasn't just well-produced. And it wasn't just well-written. It actually had a really good delivery of a concept. And for that, I give it 88 bullet rubber rounds out of 100. Wow, that's interesting. I thought you were going to go into the 90s just because of that kind of like interesting lead in. I don't know if it's the 90s, but it definitely is high, high 80s. 88. You know what? I fucking agree. It's an 89. Oh, yo, ah. you're just throwing up on me, baby. Ah. But yeah, I, I truly think it's up there in the greats. Is it a legendary? Mm, Psychopaths, I think, is like a 90s kind of thing. And because, but a low 90s. But a low, but a low 90s, but it's still up there with the names that will persist. This is going to be one of the betters of the year. Is I think Psychopaths the- is so on its own, standalone almost, because it's really like the first time, at least in my opinion, that anime really delved into like the Minority Report type ideal. Like, of course, Minority Report did it before all that stuff. So it's like, sure, it is, I guess, slightly reductive in that, in that, I guess, camp, but I felt like because of the time that that came out, it was like pretty singular as far as like how aggressively psychologically thrilling it was. And to this day, I think the execution of the writing and the characters involved and the questions they pose still masterclass. Yeah, it still to, pops the fuck off, mate. Uh, would watch it tomorrow. And yep, yep, this holds up immediately today. Because I've actually done that recently. Like, I don't think I ever watched season two or three. So I would have to like, go I did watch that. two. It did not excite me for three. I know I should probably check that out. But it's one of those things where one just stands alone. Masterpiece. But Agreed. This, Lacoyus Recoil, which, fun fact, Lacoris is the genus where the spider lily comes from. Oh, that makes total sense. Yep. So we, as you we talked about, spider lilies have that uh, analogy in Japanese narratives of, uh, you know, kind death. of birth, death, rebirth, kind of new life and death, kind of the whole cycle of all that shit. So I thought it was about licorice the whole time. Damn, you're right. It's probably about licorice. Sponsored by Twizzlers. <laughs> Twizzler recoil. <laughs> Get that cherry taste of blood out of your mouth with the sweet anime. <laughs> God, still a good show in the conversation of a psychopath type show, but 
I think it's for a general public. And if you uh, if you like your guns, if you like your cute girl holding those guns, if you like those cute girls holding those guns, telling you a good message about society and good and evil, give this one a fucking try. Guys. Yeah. Easy. If you want to go deep with it, go deep. If not, enjoy the gunplay. Easy. Agreed. Oh, look at that pitch. But yeah, so thank you. Everyone for coming to this very high octane gunslinging class. If you'd like to listen to anything else we've done, you're already in the platform, guys. Two clicks over and down to hit all of our backlog. Or if you want to listen to us anywhere else and hit all of our socials, all those links are in the description of wherever you're listening to this right now. Like, comment, subscribe anywhere you do those things. And if you want to give us some monetary love, only if you can. Patreon.com slash Ubology. One dollar and up gets you into the Discord with all of the guests <laughs> and... Our pa- our, and, the, and like the uh, lovely Patreon folk. And uh, we've been posting um, some interesting concepts about uh, who would win in a battle royale. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And I think one of them was right. I would talk no jutsu. And if I was in a pinch, I'd probably fight. But I'm not a fighter, man. I'm a I think you'd be fine. I think I'd be all right. I think that was pure, you know. Just well, I'm just trying to keep them guessing. Disgrace. I don't yeah. If everyone thinks like, oh, Ricky's not going to hurt a fly. And then when push comes to shove, <laughs> guess who's shoving? This guy. My fly. <laughs> my fly. He's the one shoving. I got my boys behind my back. Mr. Buzz. Yes, but if you decide to give us $3 and up, you get access to the syllabus sidebar, our lo-fi high vibes, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes on hiatus, and sometimes visual show, where we talk about life and things and make up dumb but super fun game shows. If you want to go listen to some of that, where we guess about you know random things. I still want to do that thing where we guess the talk, like the lethal dose of any substance. Oh my god! <laughs> we talked about this like three times. How is this still I don't shocking think that to you? We have. <laughs> yes, we totally have talked about. I this. don't think so. Like how much water is lethal in a single dose? Like how I much? I really don't think we've ever even mentioned this. I'm gonna. I know, every time I say something and I want to cut in, like here's the actual clip from this episode. Yeah, good fucking luck, boss. Hundred. We have a hundred and I think ninety things out right. It now. was definitely in this room or in the last two in the last place. I know I can find it. I don't agree with you because it didn't happen. All right. I guess I'll find it for you after this. But until I prove Ethan wrong with actual fucking audio receipts, I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. And this is how we jology. We jology. We jology deuces. Fuck. Fuck. I will find it. All right. Let's do it all over. All right. Yeah. Run the whole thing back. Delete this all.